Okay, today I'm at Wolverhampton Racecourse, uh, talking to Jason Weaver, um, Broadcaster of the Year. Jason, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us today. Uh, how did it feel to win that, uh, especially voted for by your, um, your peers? First off, I certainly didn't expect to win it, um, and it was, uh, or is, is a great honour, um, and obviously, obviously, uh, very, very happy to to win it, as you quite rightly said, voted for by the the guys and gals that you're working with day in and day out. But you've been broadcasting now for I think 17 years, so um, you've earned your you've earned your stripes there. Can you give us a little, just a little bit of history about how you got into broadcasting when you finished being a jockey? Yeah, I um, I had uh, some well-publicised weight issues that uh, were the reason for my retirement. And um, I rode a horse for a guy called Jim Ramsey many years ago called Al Dahi uh, for Rod Millman. And when I'd given up, he was just starting up a new racing channel. And he gave me a call and asked me to go down for an interview in London. Um, and uh, yeah, Jim Ramsey, was the guy who, who asked me to go down and have a chat with him. Okay, so take it, can we take you right back to the beginning, please? Um, brought up in Wales. Yep. Now, I've read somewhere that rugby, not racing, was your first love. Is that true? Very much so, yes. Um, luckily enough, I was scrum half for Newport Schools and Gwent. The next stop from that was the, the Welsh... Uh, schoolboys really really enjoyed it um, until I started getting my teeth and everything else knocked out and broken I um, I really really did enjoy it until the lads were enormous yeah, so how did the the transition to horse racing come about what was the when did you sort of first sit on a horse um, I hadn't sat on a horse very early on in my career um, and we used to go to Trellick pony uh, pony riding out, pony racing school, racing school, no, riding school. And um, we, w we went there on weekends um, and I started to enjoy it. Uh, my, my sister was the first one who got a pony um, in the family and I'll, I'll let you in. I didn't get to ride the pony very much. My sister used to ride it all the time. I used to ride the bike. So that was all it was, she was older. So I found a pony across the estate from where we lived, was owned by a, a woman called Wendy Hoy, little 12-2 dapple grey called Volvo. And he was in a field, he had laminitis, which was a terrible uh, foot illness that the horses get. And um, anyway, I wanted to buy this pony, but I didn't have any money and I found Wendy and she said, well, how much have you got? And I said, well, I've got 32 pounds and a fridge freezer. And she said, well, let me have a look at the fridge freezer. So she came over and there was, you know, the big old fridge freezers that you used to have in your garage, the, the open top ones. Um, and uh, so she took the 32 quid out of my um, money box and I wheeled the fridge freezer across the estate to hers and brought the pony home and stuck it in the back garden. Unbeknown to my mother and father that I had sold the fridge freezer for this pony. So when they came home, Oh boy, I was in a world of pain for quite a while, um, but they, they forgave me and let me keep the pony. When I was doing my research, I did read, it seems that your mother was quite keen because I read that she put you on board rice and apples for six weeks 
to get into the racing school. Yeah, that's very true. Was, was that part of the punishment? Or was no, it? <laughs> no, no, that was later on, obviously. That's a few years after Volvo. But yeah, I played a lot of rugby. Um, my, my games teacher at school was fantastic. He actually um, played for, for Wales. And when my dad was in the RAF, um, Wales were touring East Africa at the time. And as a warm-up, Wales rugby played the RAF. So my games teacher at the time, uh, Brian Price, um, he used to, uh, when I was getting changed in the corner of the changing room as a kid in Wales, minus four outside, he would reach his hand from about seven foot four and hit me on the back of the head. And he'd say, Weaver, that's what I did to your father when I played him. So uh, yeah, but that, but, and then obviously down further down the line, I, I was into the ponies and everything else, and I was too big to get into the racing school at the time. You had to be under eight stone to get into the British racing school. Um, and I was around about eight, seven, eight, ten. So I'm just under 16, that weight already. My mother put me on boiled rice and apples to get me under the required weight to get into the racing school. And then fast forward, you ended up with Luca Kamani. You started up with Luca Kamani. Yeah, I went, there for, went to Luca's for five weeks, onto the racing school for nine weeks. And then I was, uh, luckily enough, he said that he would take me back after that, and that was where I started my my apprenticeship. You won the apprentice apprentice title in 1993 with 60 winners. Yeah, and then the year after, you won the 2,000 guineas and yeah. the 200 winners. Yeah, that's quite a meteoric rise. Is all that a bit of a blur? Um, well, I'd. I'd Won the champion apprentice title, um, and listen, I've been very, very lucky because I've a picture on my wall at home of myself um, handing the apprentice title to David Harrison, who is now in a wheelchair after a um, horrific fall in in Hong Kong, and it's just um, listen, I was very, very blessed. I won the guineas the next year after my apprentice title. I rode. 200 winners uh, in that season. My 200th winner came here at, at Wolverhampton. Um, and uh, no, yeah, listen, the, the hardest part for me of my, my career, if we go back to boiled rice and apples, the riding and the talking and the racing was the easy part. Winning was the easy part. The hardest part for me was beating the scales. And also beating Frankie the Tory because you rode 200 winners and he still beat you for the Jockeys Championship, which is... Pretty unlucky. Yeah. But, but you're great mates with him, apparently. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's a great lad. Uh, we grew up together at Lucas um, and we had a really good battle that year. He still rode some ridiculous amount of winners, 230 something he rode that year. But no, we, we remain good mates to this day. Now, is the camaraderie of jockeys and the weighing room, is that a real thing or is that just a bit of fluff, really? Is it sometimes some needle between competitive riders? Oh, there's a massive needle, uh, unquestionably. Um, you know, uh, there, there are certain riders who you bump into on the way around and you're going to have um, your uh, time to... It, it will happen, the boot will be on the, the other foot. Um, but yeah, oh, there's definitely needle in there, of course there is. But yeah, is there great fun in there? Yes. But let's not forget that we're in a multi-million pound industry and if you want to be the best, you've got to be competitive. Um, now you've come across obviously a lot of jockeys you came across in your time who were the ones that made the most impression of you, on you for whatever reason 
we all looked up to Pat Eddery uh, in the in the corner of the Wayne room. God, as he was affectionately known, uh, and still remains his number on my mobile. Everybody else has their name. There's a few, uh, you know, characters on there, but the the one if ever I was looking for Pat Eddery, I would always look for God, and he's still under that on my phone. He's a great guy. It didn't matter if he had won the derby or won a seller at Wolverhampton or he vice versa just got beat in the derby or just got beat at whatever race he was exactly the same day in and day out and that is key okay now I don't want names but what were the best and worst types of trainer to ride for um Listen, if you get too too many um, orders, it becomes impossible because you're on a hide into nothing. That 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 it means that you either win and it's correct, or if you get beat, no matter what you do, you've been wrong. So too many orders definitely confuse things and get jockeys into an awful sort of situation. Um, best trainers I rode for. Listen, I had two fantastic jobs. The two I, I worked as a kid when I was in school for Milton Bradley. And I was lucky enough to ride winners for him after I'd got my license with Luca. But I had two jobs in racing. They were Luca Kamani and Mark Johnson. Uh, and they were both super to ride for. Look, I interviewed Luke Harvey recently, your sidekick. Yep. And he told me that as a young jockey, he was sometimes approached by less than savoury characters and asked not to win. Did that ever happen to you? No. Okay, so you retired in 2002, age 30. And as you say, you had you had weight problems. Yeah. In hindsight, was it the right decision to retire then? A hundred percent it was the right decision. Um, I wasn't in a particularly good place mentally uh, and I had no longer become the product I wanted to be out on the track. My, um, my, my mental state of what I was pushing myself to from a physical point of view of losing weight just wasn't having a good effect on me. And was there a catalyst moment when you thought, that's it? Uh, it had been building for a very, very long time. And I sat down one evening and spoke with my better half, Fiona. Um, and uh, I, I was extremely upset, but it was the right thing to do at that time. And you say at that time, with the current support and nutrition advice, available to jockeys now yep. do you think you could have possibly carried on for a few more years had you had that back in those days um, I suppose it's always a possibility but um, I look at the scales now I mean at my peak I was probably about 13 and a half stone uh, I'm 11 and a half at the moment um, and do I think I could be three stone under where I am now and still be healthy no do you have any regrets at all about your time as a jockey, things that you might have done differently? Uh, if I could have won on more horses that you didn't have a particular good run round on, I suppose that's always something that um, is with you. But do I look back on it? No, I, I honestly look back on it and believe that I was absolutely blessed. Does racing differ now? in any respect to how it did when you were at your peak as a jockey? Um, there is a lot more racing. Uh, I mean, even when I started, we didn't have all weather racing. So it was, uh, you know, March to November was where it started. Everybody geared up for Doncaster and finished at Doncaster for the November meeting. So um, 
yeah, it's ch it's changed massively. The the pressure on the lads is probably even more intense now than than it was back then. And do you still ride recreationally? No. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. All right, Jason. Thanks very much. In the first part, you talked about your. Uh, career as a jockey now your second part of your career which has now gone on longer than the original career was in broadcasting was it something that came naturally to you I was always good at answering the questions and not as good at asking the questions so that's something that has had to um, had to grow but as you so eloquently put it um, it's taken me 17 years to win the broadcaster of the year award so it's been a bit of a slow burner now in your job you have to you you've, i suppose you'd be described as a pundit as well as a presenter yeah now do you find it difficult to criticize still be your brethren jockeys no you don't no 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 listen they they have to realize it's hard it's hard and jockeys don't like it because they're a one-man band it's not like saying you can you can say that football team played awful today. That's easy because you're blaming a whole bunch of people who can take all of that. When you say somebody has given one a bad ride, it's on their shoulders and they don't like it and they've got to go back in the weighing room. And I've had more than one or two occasions when the likes of Frankie Dettori has rang me after a race, um, who we talked about being my friend because he's not happy that I've said he wasn't very good. Uh, but then he's calmed down and realized that maybe I was right. And also Philip Robinson rang me on one occasion and wasn't happy with the fact that I'd said he was not particularly good on one, but he asked me to play golf the following week and that was obviously his way of apologising. Now imagine as an ex-jockey, you've got probably a better perception of what's going on in a race than your average uh, racing fan. Has there ever been a time where you think that that woman's definitely not doing its best, but I thought better to bite your tongue and not mention it? No, you've got to say what's there. It's not, um, I'm, I'm not in the weighing room anymore. Um, I have to sit out um, uh, and work what I think is going on on the race, and I've got to portray what's out there as a, from an honest perspective. And one of the things that's been especially uh, successful for you and for him is your uh, partnership with Luke Harvey. Yeah. Now, it seems to be a real chemistry on the TV. Is that something that is real? Is it no, it's not real. He's, he's actually a horrible person. Um, I, I, you know, people think that he's a happy-go-lucky guy, but once the camera goes off, he's a, he's a very nasty, mean-minded, self-centred, horrible sort of guy. So, yeah, it's a big act. He's not actually that bad because I did ask him to dish some dirt on you and he was very reluctant. <laughs> no, In fact, he refused point blank. He's... Um, <laughs> Listen, we have a lot of fun together. Um, we, we met a good few years back on a skiing holiday and we didn't work together then for a long time. And we get on, we have a laugh and a joke. And listen, we know that we are both very lucky in what we're doing at the moment. And I've uh, just been off to do a trotting feature with him in France. And it was a great fun time. Listen, I have a lot of fun with him. Now, do you think, as you get on so well and your chemistry is so good, do you think there would ever be a time where you two could sort of move on a little bit from racing and and maybe do you present the jungle or something like that would you fancy that um i probably would take huge pleasure pleasure out of luke harvey eating a kangaroo testicle but um who knows i meant really doing an anton deck rather than being <laughs> in it but presenting it listen it'd be great if that was possible who knows 
So you, you seem very comfortable now doing TV. Has it become second nature to you? Um, I think if you are prepared for what you're doing, I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable if I've done a lot of work and a lot of research because you never know when one's gonna uh, gonna get loose and you might get it in your ear from the gallery and they'll say to you, look, I need you here, you've got five minutes to fill. So if you've done plenty of work, you're not gonna be in any problem. Okay, you spend a lot of time on TV now, also with uh, ITV, so on the mainstream channels. What's the best and worst parts of your current role? Uh, worst part would be I am away from my family uh, a little bit, but the best part is I love racing. And if, um, you know, you're getting the opportunity to go to the races and talk about the best horses, what's not to like? Now, unlike a lot of your uh, the people you work with, you're absent from social media, at least Twitter. Now, is yeah. that a conscious decision not to get involved? I, as I just mentioned there, I've got two boys who are 14 and 16, and I am flat out all day long, um, I do not need another addition to my life to be on the phone. I, it drives me mad that people sit there. When you go out or you talk to some, you can't talk to somebody now without them looking at their phone and no interaction, no talking. What's going on there? They, a lot of what you do, well, almost all of what you do is live broadcast. Yep. So there must have been a few incidents. Have you got one that sticks in your mind that was... Uh, that has happened? Um, off the top of my head now, what, what, what happened? Uh, I remember once I was talking about a horse that had girth galls and somebody said to me, what on earth is that? And I said, it's when the, the girth is tightened up too much underneath the horse and they still were picking for more explanation. And I said, oh, well, you know, sometimes you know if it's tight I said, sometimes you can get three fingers in, sometimes you can get a fist. And um, then I realised what I'd said. <laughs> now, you're, you're obviously you're a pundit and you sort of try and help punters select winners. Are you a punter yourself? Yep. Now, what would be, how regular and how serious are you? Uh, I would be, I bet most weeks um, and it will be, uh, I, I tend to sway with what I'm really into at that point. I mean, the football, I really enjoy betting on the football before Christmas, um, and I don't bet on it afterwards. I will have a, I was looking just the other day for a few anti-post punts, which I will have running for me throughout the season, because I think that's a, a good value angle, provided that they get there. Um, and yeah, I punt through the week, especially when I'm, um, you know, when I'm allowed to on track. Back to when you were a jockey. Yep. Did you, if you got beat on a short one, did you ever get stick from punters when you go back to the weighing room or was that a regular thing? Uh, yeah, I think any any sportsman, if you get beat and somebody's backed it or whatever, whether you gave it a shocker or whether it was beaten fair and square, you're still going to get somebody who's not happy. And what was your attitude to them then? Was it you pay your money, you take your chance or did you have a bit of empathy with them? Uh, I, listen, it's... Um, you, from a jockey's point of view, you're so upset that you got beat 
You don't need somebody reminding you that they've also lost as well and they think you're awful. Never mind having to deal with the owner and trainer as well. It's, it's, it's a, not a nice situation. So, so they're the boots on the other foot. Do you sometimes think you should have won that? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There are, there are times when I think they should have won. Uh, of course there are. Now, do you have any other sporting interest? You, you mentioned golf there. Yeah. I hear there's a very good golfer in the family. Is that you? No, there are two very good golfers in the, gam in the family. I'm the third one. This is my golfing injury that I have at the moment. Um, so the cast comes off very soon. I have my Christmas jumper on, even though we're way from Christmas, because it's the only one that I can stretch over my arm and I don't mind ruining. Um, but both boys, Max and Tyler, are very good. They're low single-figure handicappers. Um, the youngest has qualified for the World Championships in Jakarta this year. He won at Woodall Spa, playing lads who were a couple of years older. And my eldest finished third, who was also playing three years up. He was playing basically men. So you've not gone into golf management? Uh, no, listen, I'll be on the bag. That'll do me. Um, <laughs> and I'll just shut up and say, look, what, which club do you want? Uh, just talk about racing again. Has, you talked about it briefly before, but has it improved? Do you think the conditions for everybody, you know, especially the combatants, the jockeys and the horse welfare, has it come on since your time? Yeah, of course it has. Lots of things change. Um, there, when I first started riding, there wasn't even back pads and you rode with uh, very limited skull caps. We obviously had to have hats. I'm not old enough for the flat cap and everything else. But um, yeah, back pads, uh, all the checks and everything else that go on. It's all about the, the, the competitors, the athletes that are out there, both equine and human. Now, you're a seasoned presenter. You've been doing it for nearly two decades. Are have you ambitions now outside of what you've already done or are you happy with how things are? Um, I am rapidly closing in on 50. Uh, my, my attention has obviously focused on my, on my two lads coming through at the moment. That's my, my main focus. And then finally, my last interviewee was Jason Watson. Yep. Just won the apprentices title with 110 winners. Just starting out as a professional jockey this year, he's just had a, a terrible fall, unfortunately. But when he's recovering, I mean, what would your advice be to him and any other young professional jockey starting out now? Uh, to believe in yourself. Don't kid yourself. Uh, when you believe that you belong. Uh, he doesn't come, Jason Watson, I think, from a racing background. Is that right? You know, so he, he has to... He has to believe that he's putting enough effort in that he belongs to be out there. And he's just got the job with Roger Charlton. He's in the right spot. Okay, Jason Weaver, thank you very much. Johnny Ward presents The Front Runner in association with Starsports.bet. 18 and over. Be gamble aware.